Hello, my name is Mia Kozlao, and I will be having a conversation with Simone Simo for the New York City Trans Oral History Project. This is an oral history project centered on the experiences of trans-identifying people. It is August 1st, 2023, and this is being recorded in Bedstow. Hello. Hi. Um, would you like to introduce yourself briefly for the recorder, like name, age, pronouns, if you want? Sure. Um, my name is Simone Simo. Um, I'm almost 21. I'll be 21 in two weeks or something. Um, but for now, I'm 20, and I use they, them pronouns. Um, do you want to just start by telling me a little bit about where you grew up? Yeah, so I grew up in kind of like an urban suburb of Boston. Um, I was born in Providence and spent a few years there, but most of my childhood was in New England, Massachusetts. Um, and who were you living with at the time? Of childhood? Yeah. Um, so I grew up with a brother and a cat and my mom and my dad. Um, and what were your parents doing? So my dad is a computer science professor and my mom is a therapist. Um, and how were you spending your time as a kid? Like mostly barefoot. Um, I was, what was I doing? Um, I went to farm camp every summer. Um, there's like a new community farm that was close to my house. And um, my mom put me in farm camp and it was such a like, um, just like bootleg operation. It was wonderful, but I was like, sometimes just like the only camper <laughs> or it was like me and one other person. Um, yeah, but I, that felt really impactful and like maybe is one of the most like pungent parts of my childhood that I'm like still in connection with. What were the, now. You, like the smells were pungent? Um, I think I mean pungent more like maybe like visceral, mm -hmm. um, you, but smells for sure. Yeah. Do you have a favorite like smell or like hand feel that you were experiencing at that camp? Um, oh my goodness. I love the smell of tomato plants, um, especially when, like, you know, I wasn't doing so much farm labor when I was there, but I've done other farming work, and, like, when you spend, like, many hours, like, around the tomato plants, you, like, take on the smell, which is wonderful, um, so maybe that smell, yeah. Um, but, okay, you asked me about, um, this is really hard. Um, but it's recording. Um, so, so I did farming in the summers. I was like in public school. Um, and there's a lot of young people in the place I grew up. So there were a lot of public schools, um, a lot of elementary schools, two high schools. Um, and I, I did a lot of art when I was younger. And then as I got into middle school and high school, I did competitive figure skating. So that kind of took up all of my time and I like filled the cracks with um, like feminist organizing and some like Jewish things and yeah. What did that organizing look like or how did you get involved in that? Yeah, so there is something at my school called the Feminist Empowerment Movement uh, Club and uh, the people that ran it like were, I looked up to them so much when I was a freshman 
Um, and I think part of it was queerness was like they were really outwardly queer and I was kind of like just beginning to grapple with that and wasn't out in any capacity. Um, and I ended up like being vice president and like the co-president of the club and one of the big um, sort of like programming work that we were doing was building out a um, consent education program for that trained high schoolers in um, leading, like facilitating consent workshops for middle schoolers. Um, so that was kind of like happened during my four years was like putting those pieces together, writing the curriculum, training people. Um, but we did other like events and um, kind of like collective art pieces. We did like some things around period products. Um, yeah. Um, and I guess you mentioned kind of like queerness in that relationship with your, um, like the, the upperclassmen there. Um, how are you thinking about your queerness or your transness through that period? Through high school or like childhood, childhood? Either one. Okay. Um, can you ask a more specific question that feels really big? Yeah, sure. Um, I guess you talked about doing figure skating sure. um, kind of intensely. So I guess what did gender look like? Um, in that activity as you were participating in it? Mm. I always felt like an outsider in that world. Like, just on the basic level of, like, I had curly hair and everybody had, like, really straight, flippy ponytails and, like, often blonde. Um, like, so so I just kind of, like, came in also, like, late to figure skating. Like, I came in when I was, like, about 11 and that's considered, like, super late because people start when they're, like, two um, and usually it's a hereditary, like it runs in the family and nobody in my family had done figure skating. Um, so, and the way the gender, like everything was like very, um, just like almost like, just like everything felt like bruised with gender. Like it was like, people were like beating gender into like the walls of the rink and into like our bodies and our emotions. And, you know, part of the scoring is like how you look like literally and like you can call it presentation but um you know or or performance literally but um there were like not many men that like were in the rink and um for like most of my time there were like no other career people as far as i knew um and then there was maybe like one or two by the time that i had like like left the rink which was summer after i graduated high school and is that okay or should I stop? We can pause it. Okay. okay, so I think you were talking a little bit about the world of figure skating mm -hmm. um, and how gender was ever present in that kind of area. Yeah, okay, so, um, yeah, so I, and I really, I had this kind of odd double life in a way because I went to a school where there weren't a lot of people out of my school either, but there were people and and like it was really cool to be to be smart to be into school and there were a lot of Jewish people um and then the rink was just like this very different set of norms like culturally and um the the feeling that I had I think was pretty disassociated like I loved skating and so much and that was why I was there um, and I also loved the feeling of like rigor and intensity. Um, but the, I mean, it's like, I don't think 
I could be wrong about this, but as far as I know, like, it's still not legal for, like, in the skating world for two, like, women to, like, compete together, like, as a pair. Um, It kind of feels like wherever, like, maybe, like, the left, like, American world is, like, figure skating is, like, like, decades back. Um, And there's a lot of interest in, like, preserving tradition and, like, the way that it moves through families of wealth, specifically, and, like, white wealth. Um, And, yeah, so there were a few boys, and they were very, like, fetishized, almost. Like, all of the girls, like, just, like, followed the boys around. Um, There was a lot of, like, homophobic shit talked about, like, in the locker rooms, like, really racist stuff, too, like, just on the bleachers. So it was, like, something that I was, like, constantly hearing. Um, And in that way, gender was present. And, like, just the expectations, I think, also of, like, um, you know, there's, like, older male coaches that are coaching, like, groups of, like, very, like, tiny, like, young female athletes. And, like, there is, like, a lot of history and context to that as a harmful dynamic and, like, I think that showed up and it definitely showed up in my experience. So, um, like gender came up in like power in that way. It came up in like sort of like competition, like I said, with, with scoring and, um, and also with like this weird interaction between like the girls that were skating and the boys that were skating. Um, and, and yeah, all of the competitions are like gendered, like they're all separated. Um, and, and like pairs skating as a boy and a girl. Uh, or a man and a woman. Um, yeah. And nobody wore pants also. <laughs> like, literally. <laughs> I mean, when we were practicing, like, we wore, like, like leggings or, like, in, yeah. Like, the girls wore leggings and, like, tank tops. But, um, competing, <laughs> like, nobody wore pants. <laughs> it seems so funny to me. Um, yeah. And since then... I made a film actually like one of my first semesters in college that was kind of about because I also had a I had a friend pass away a friend a skating friend pass away when I was 16 and like that was a really like just like interesting and like kind of surreal way to be in the rink and like the way that people like came together but also didn't to like be in a kind of like mode of grief um and where was I going with this um oh I made this film that was kind of about like the like femininity that I was experiencing being like pushed on me and like the like violence in the femininity that was expected the violence and like even just like the community of like like female skaters um but that like itself felt really violent um so yeah kind of and and skating as itself like as a sport feels violent to me like you have like blades on your feet and like every time you land it's like really hard um and there's a lot of bruising that happens like at every level because it's like you're always falling i could talk about skating forever but yeah yeah i'm interested in hearing more about how you kind of got into film um but i was also wondering you mentioned that there were um some Jewish people kind of at your high school and then maybe in the skating world um, a little bit. Um, what was your relationship to Judaism kind of like through your childhood and getting into high school? Yeah, so I associated Judaism with my family and I have a lot of, there's a lot of history of conflict and like pain in my family right now. Um, and so I'm not close to my family and, and I wasn't like interested or close to Judaism when I was growing up. I think I always have been a really spiritual person and like 
I had my own personal spirituality. Um, and also the Judaism that I was around was like very Zionist and like mostly kind of conservative, modern Orthodox, um, which is like not really where I would, you know, look for a Jewish community now. Um, and my family also moved around a lot from like kind of temple to temple. I never really settled. So I was always like the new kid. Um, and, and in that way, Judaism felt like this really exclusive thing to me. And, um, it was like a thing that people with like different families had, like families that were different than mine. Um, and it wasn't until like I had an experience, um, after high school that like I had this started like, yeah, there was just like a lot of transformation in my relationship to Judaism. Did you want to talk about that experience after high school? Sure. Um, so I think part of this is just like moving out finally and like like letting kind of like the parts of myself that I was like um, maybe like holding like more internally, like kind of flow externally and then getting to see those interact with the other things like um, just part of growing up. But I, I lived on a farm, an ecological farm in Israel, Palestine for five months before I went to, to school. And um, it was like it was an awakening of like the Zionism that I had been like steeped in and like the beginning of my like journey into like anti-Zionism and um like pro-Palestinian like activism and it was also um this a birthright trip no 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 no. it was just like a program out of the farm yeah um yeah um and I also, I lived with folks um, like 18 to 31 and I was 18 at the time. So it was also a really big time of like um, what, you know, it's not quite intergenerational, but it felt like a lot of like I was being raised by this like different family and like experiencing like love in a way that I never before um, experiencing a lot of like time to explore myself that I hadn't given myself in high school. Um, and I started building like, a connection to like diasporic Judaism, which is kind of ironic being like on that land. But um, I was like allowing for Judaism to like connect me like further than just like my immediate family. Um, and and also I was introduced to like a new, a new kind of Jewish ritual like on the farm that was like very like connected to the earth and um, like vulnerable um, and like really grounded in like close like relationality and um it was like a kind of spirituality that I hadn't experienced before yeah what kind of things were you doing on the farm generally or Judaism related either okay um so we were farming (laughs) and uh there were like other various like work areas you could do so like cooking or um uh learning uh herbal medicine we had like a spiritual Judaism sort of like class that we did. Um, and the ritual that we were doing was very like song centered. And so some folks who were on the farm had spent time in Eden Village. I don't know if you know of Eden Village. Could you explain it for the... Sure. It's a like a... Mm, I think I don't want to explain it. I think I'll let it be looked up Um, because it also has evolved since I was introduced to it Um, but these people had like grown up going to it it's a camp like a Jewish overnight camp um, very like earthy crunchy Um, and it 
um, they had like a collection of songs that they learned there um, that like had a mix of English words and also like word nigun, um, so like wordless melodies and also like a little bit of Hebrew, but not really. Um, and it was just like, we had a beautiful, like people that were like so skilled in facilitation. So it was also a place where I was like really like, I think like awoken to the power of like facilitation, which is like something that I practice now. And um, yeah, so we would like sing and, and, and we sang everywhere we went. So like in caves and like on the street and like in the forest. And like, it was very, um, I think a lot about like, the embodied impact of of like collective singing and collective song and um just like the swell that comes like the with sort of like all of those voices coming together um yeah it's still like a really big part of my jewish practice and was this farm kind of like relatively isolated within the area that it was in or um well like it yes and no like it it was isolated like like very culturally it felt like um because we use like compost toilets and it's like you could drive to like a kind of like a fast food restaurant or something like maybe 15 minutes away um but in in itself yes and there was kind of like there was like a fence on some of it and then the other part kind of like rolled into like some hills and um i guess if i can ask like politically how did it how did that space kind of relate to its the area that it was in politically how did it relate to the space it was in it was in land that, like, is, like, so-called Israel. So it was in, like, Modin. Um, and a lot of the, the people that were on the farm were Shinshinim. Um, so, like, um, people that, like, were taking a year off before the army or had managed to get out of the, the army. Um, and, yeah, were, like, like, sort of unpacking their own relationship to that. Um, and I guess you had mentioned kind of that the, did this mark, I guess, a shift in, in the way that you were practicing Judaism from kind of like a family-based model to something different? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I guess you, you'd mentioned kind of like, I guess, going back to, to what you were talking about, about being home, um, this marked kind of like a, an opening up. So um, I guess we just wanted to talk about what it was like to, to leave home or kind of what prompted that or, yeah. Um... I have like a funny story. Um, it's not super related, but I think slightly. Um, so I asked, basically like I, I had come out to both of my parents as queer eventually, and or like that wasn't the word that I used at the time, but like that that's how I identify now, so I'll use that. And um, How old were you at the time? So I, I came out to my mom when I was, um, maybe like 16 and and my dad maybe like later but in the same year 17 um maybe 15 um and I think it's just like the, this is a funny story about the like what feels 
I, I guess it can just be semiotics, but like, oh. Okay. So thinking about like what acceptance is and like what that looks like and um, versus like tolerance um, and or like avoidance. Um, and so I, I had like, I was just like in therapy and like had ended up talking about queerness in relation to my family and um, I just like had this this feeling bubble up where I was kind of like, you know what, like I'm gonna ask for something that would make me feel good, um, which is like to have a pride flag in like outside of my home because I remember driving around when I was younger and I wasn't out. Um, I like I had a lot of internalized homophobia from and transphobia from skating and like also just like the circles that I was in at the time. My parents didn't have any like queer oh. I think you're talking about asking to have a pride flag. Yes. Okay. So um, when I was like younger and like not out, um, I would like see pride flags in front of houses and like I think I, this is connected to your question because it was kind of part of like what moving out meant and like that that meant like an expanding of like my chosen family and like just accessing worlds that um, that felt really difficult to access. Um, when I was already like not feeling kind of like safe or like when I was feeling in survival mode in my home all the time, um, kind of unrelated to queerness on that side. But um, yeah, I would see pride flags and it would like, oh my God, I would just like, uh, it, it's kind of the feeling of like, I know a lot of people my age who like don't go to pride because they're like, all their friends are queer and like it's corporate and all these things. And I totally see the corporateness and also like, the first Pride I went to, like, I, like, sobbed. Like, it was, like... And I always cry at Pride. Oh, no. Okay, so I know Pride is very corporate, um, and I'm really grateful for, like, Queer Liberation March, Dyke March, like, um, sort of new, like, community gatherings that are, like, finding other ways to, like, gather in mass, um, like, safely um, and, like, with a politic. And also, um, Pride was, like, hugely important in my own like coming out just to be able to see queer people like period and like just and see them the happy and like like alive and and like in love um and like hot and like it was just like really really impactful okay um anyways what i was talking about in connection to this okay i want to have a pride flag in front of my house i it's like one of those things I wish, you know, my parents, you know, on the spectrum of, like, harm that parents can cause, like, in a kid coming out, like, I was very lucky and, like, um, they were just sort of, like, okay and, like, didn't really ask any questions, um, but I, like, really wanted for them to, like, ask me questions and be curious and, like, come to Pride with me and, like, put a Pride flag outside the house, whatever, so I asked my mom and she was, like, I think I would be like more comfortable with like one of these. And she sent me these two products and like one of them was this like rainbow gnome, like a little like garden gnome that like had a rainbow to it. And the other one was like a little, like, like a wooden heart made out of like rainbow, like wood. And it was like love is love or something. Um, so I was like, I thought it was hilarious and was also like, are you kidding? Um, and so I was like, either one. And then I like came home and she put it inside. Like, 
like it was inside it's like this is so not what I meant um but that is like a story that I feel like maybe gives some perspective on like I was like trying to figure out how to advocate for myself and also trying to accept so many areas of my like where like my needs weren't getting met like and to where I was feeling in survival mode and so like part of moving out was literally just like getting to put a pride flag like wherever I lived and like um like I was teaching last summer um did like a teaching fellowship and I was in New Mexico and I like remember going out specifically and like buying a pride flag and like putting it up in my classroom and like that felt really important um so so like that sort of creating space and and like also just like creating space for other queer people like I always want my home to be yeah like that um, so from home you went to, to college, you said? Well, home I went to the farm and then to college, yeah. And where did you go to college? I go to Brown University. Um, and were you getting into film kind of before you were at Brown or were you getting... Um, yeah, I guess I was wondering about kind of how you got into film um, and what that was like your first year um, at Brown. Sure. So, um... So I, I had access to a camera pretty young, like middle school, um, and so I was making little videos throughout, like, m like eighth grade and beyond, um, and didn't think that I wanted to do it in any sort of like bigger way, um, but it was just part of like the art itch. It was like a path for that and. Um, I think I, I still have, like, sometimes every art feels just like a permutation of, like, something that I'm, like, continuously trying to reach, and, like, not in, like, a, in a striving way, but just in, like, a meditative way, kind of, if that's possible, and I made this film about skating, and, um, it, like, a lot of my art, like, comes, like, from my poetry, like, my poetry is, like, the, the pit in, like, fruit and then it's like going out um and so like my poetry was part of that and I had written about like queerness and skating and also like the death and like also just like pain and violence and skating and femininity and sexualization um like because that also yeah figure skating um and after I made that film I think I was like wanting to make more and also like have in my body and had now like plans to make more figure skating related content but um it was something I did for like the intro to like Visa 100 like the intro art class at Brown um and I also didn't have somewhere along there like my my lens broke and so then I was like starting to I didn't know what lens to buy and I was like starting to just like borrow equipment from Brown um but kind of like took like a step back with the film and was like exploring other things um yeah so that was like in the beginning and then um I had a exhibition like last fall um like a solo show it's just like out of the lottery and um I used a, f a camera from Brown to make a video that was part of this installation for my project and that was like a like 
quite a return to the form and I always say that I love film because like I am such a sensorial person and like I want my art to be visceral because that's how I experience like everything and um and also like yeah so so that film can offer like both it can light the space and it provides visual and it provides sound and like um I'm working on smell but like I don't know how to do that yet um but like some artists are doing that and it's dope um so that is like initially what brought me to film and I was interested in like experimental film like the kind of like art film that I was making um that was like very much poetry informed um and like yeah quite like um abstract and now I'm doing a documentary project um which has been really interesting and have like mixed feelings about that as a form um, do you want to, we can talk about the project now or, or later if you want, um, but I guess I wanted to ask you if there are any, um, like, experimental film artists that, that you were looking at at the time or are looking at now that have been influential. Ooh, let me think. I have a really poor memory, um, with, like, names, uh, so I might not be able to come up with anything. I collected a bunch of random, like, through childhood, like, a bunch of random things on YouTube, um, like, weird kind of, like, like, poetry illustrations or, um, like, I remember, like, Radiolab had, like, videos that I watched, um, so I don't think that I, I sadly don't think that I have a specific artist to shout out. Um, and are you studying film at Rome? Yeah, so I was going to do an independent concentration for a while um, and then kind of like really had to pick and was like, I think I'd rather just do this concentration that I have already like met a lot of the requirements for. And it just so happened to be Brown's like like technically Brown's film department it's like modern culture and media practice on the practice track um but I basically used it to like be doing like interdisciplinary arts and theory and um so it like both doesn't feel like a big part of like film doesn't feel like a big part of like what I'm necessarily studying but it feels like one of the like mediums that like I work with in my art um and I see you talked a little bit about kind of organizing in high school have you brought that to college at all? Yeah, so I had also done like some weird like Jewish philanthropy like it was like a teen board thing that I was on. What was the organization? Oh, (laughs) Um, I don't think I want to shout them out. Yeah, Um, but I like also had this this process in like the time before I came to Brown where I was like reading Emergent Strategy by Adrian Maria Brown and like it was just like introduced to a lot of other like black feminist thought and um and reading like like just like reading for the first time after kind of high school like for pleasure um and and finding books and essays that really interested me and um I so like my politic was shifting a lot and like coming to Brown radicalized me a lot um 
And the, the work that I do at Brown is mostly, I like have jumped around, like it was kind of, I was trying to find like an organizing home and it was like quite difficult for a little bit, um, both like trying to find that off campus and on campus. Um, currently I'm like in resource generation. Um, so I like help to run the Praxis groups um, to coordinate that and kind of some general, like it's, it's a non-hierarchical group, um, but I like was in the position that we have now like sort of shifted out um but like the position of kind of like total coordination um so resource generation is like at brown it's a national organization but at brown like our chapter does kind of two major things and so we like run a mutual aid fund um for students on brown's campus and providence and we also like send out a newsletter where we like um, collect mutual aid funds and send them out and then we also do Praxis, which is this eight-week political education group for folks that are class privileged or that are like going into a job that's going to make like a, like a lot of wealth. Um, and we talk about like symptoms of class privilege. We talk about um, basically like class privilege specifically in organizing spaces. And it's meant to be like really grounded in like relationality and people do a lot of like work like just vulnerable sharing work um, to like open up these things that like they've been taught they shouldn't talk about basically. Um, and so that work is is really like important to me and and wonderful also because it like involves facilitation and that was something that I loved in like the consent um, like workshops that I was working on. It was like thinking about curriculum, thinking about exercises that help people um, like reflect and like open up space for realizations and um how to have like hard conversations in a way that like isn't destructive or like harmful to the body um but is still like like conversations about accountability that are like really straightforward and like no but actually like will you actually stick to that and like why not let's talk about why not um and yeah so then i'm also involved with the activist coalition at brown um and we're gonna get together like a reading group um and kind of like community meeting um like twice monthly this semester um because the activist coalition actual meetings like we're trying to focus more on like action um yeah and i've done some other stuff i do work with project let's on campus which is like anti-carceral um like peer-to-peer -peer crisis and mental health support um and I feel like a lot of my activism is like is also just like supporting other things that are going on and like talking about things in my relationships. Um, and what has kind of like the queer trans life um, in college been like, or what does the community look like? <laughs> okay. Um, or I can phrase that differently if, if you want. Um, yeah, maybe. Um, I guess, like, what, how have you been investigating your, your own queerness or transness in that, in that space? Okay. So, Brown, but, like, more so, like, the community of queer trans people at Brown, um, some which I know and some of I don't, like, and maybe, like, just have seen from afar, um, was like where I started to like unpack gender and I I actually remember viscerally and and I haven't talked to I don't think I've talked to most of my like or any of my 
um, like trans friends about this, but I remember very specifically when I realized that I was queer. Um, I remember very specifically being like, and gender is like not something I'm willing to think about. Um, because it was like so much already to feel this like world falling apart um, in order to make way for a new one. And I, yeah, I just like remember like being really scared and being like, I'm never gonna think about gender because that, that would be too much. And like even being like some transphobic part of me or like um, somebody introduced, oh, they introduced a word to me that was like, that was like instead of transphobic where it like centers the person who is being transphobic rather than like trans people. Um, and I'm forgetting like the term, but it exists. Um, and like maybe we're moving towards that, um, but like the idea is nice. Um, yeah, but the, what was I saying? Um, yeah, I remember this like part of me being like, oh, I'm actually scared of it if I ever get to a point where like I do start thinking about that. Like I, I don't, like I need to not. Um, but it was college, like when I um, like met very specific people who have been really impactful in my life. Um, and like, I got to have the conversations where like, it just feels like holding space to me. Like it's like the conversations where you're like really floppy and like thrashing a little bit and like getting to like push back and like maybe like be like perhaps like not problematic necessarily, but like getting to just like look at the like kind of messiness that you've like taken into your own way of thinking and, and like body. Um, and anyway, so I like had a lot of these conversations in like my first semester um, that I was like back on campus. I took a leave also um, like after my first semester. Um, so came back from the leave and like was having a lot of these conversations. And a lot of people I know like went from like, like if they like initially were using she, her pronouns, they went to like she, they, like <laughs> she, I just like went straight to they, them, um, which I feel good about. And like, I think sometimes, yeah, when I'm thinking about other pronouns of like, if I want to use like they, he, or like any pronouns, like just kind of like what that becomes in practicality of like people referring to me. But anyways, um, I use they them pronouns and like, um, I'm trying to think. Um, I was reading queer theory. I took a queer media and poetics class, which changed my life forever. But what part of that class <laughs> really impactful? Um, well, for one, I like legendarily, if I may say so myself, did a project on like the queer, queer like queerness and sleepovers. Um, and so I made like an, it was like an audio project. Um, where I was like reading this this like poem or like piece I had written and like there were like sounds of the sleepovers kind of like woven in um <laughs> I always think about my like teacher who was who was incredible Scott just like listening to that like at home but um while he was grading me anyways um that the class Scott did a great job also like the the, the class felt queer in process and politic and like in one way that ended up being like there were like three people in the class by the end like who actually were showing up but that like means something so much that like this was a class that so much of us loved and like if we need rest that much to like not becoming like that 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 felt queer and that felt like 
you know, queer poetics to me, whatever. Um, but it, it impacted me because I had this interest in like somatics and the body and like mostly was interacting with that in terms of like feminisms and, um, and like, I feel like was introduced to that with like white feminism specifically. Um, and yeah, but art that I had made, poetry I had written, like because of the background as an athlete, like, and also I had started therapy in high school and I was like unpacking some trauma. And so I like had language and had done some reading around how trauma lives in the body and like cultural trauma, cultural somatics. Um, so I was like, I had this real interest in like the sight of the body, the possibility of the body. And when I read queer theory, it's like that got to come into my queerness. And I, um, I had like an ex-boyfriend from like many lives past visiting this past weekend. And so I've been thinking a lot about like, like how much queerness, and I've talked about this with, you know, a lot of my friends, like how much queerness is so like it gets to be sex and sexuality and it also is like so much more just like the way that i think and the way that i am and like who i feel comfortable around and like how like the processes of the places i feel comfortable in like the how of them um i think queer spaces tend to be more trauma-informed spaces which is like very critical um and and i really feel the absence of that um when that isn't there but um, I'm trying to get back to the original question about like college and queerness. A lot of pronoun circles happening. Um, yeah, and my relationship to that I feel like has changed. I recently was in a pronoun circle and just like didn't say anything. Um, yeah, but it was an option where I like knew, I just like knew that I was gonna be asked relatively soon and that I could like try using they, them. Um, and the like experience at school is very different because brown is like a bubble like and the world in brown that i'm in is like i think i leave it also but it's like pretty um pretty queer and so those pronouns were like very respected and then like being in other places and like experiencing um like that not happening like i feel really glad that that came after like i like started using those pronouns in a place where like they were really like held um, like with love. And so, um, yeah. Um, and I guess, has, has dating changed as you've like gone through um, the process of investigating your transness and queerness? Um, I actually was, I was on a call with my last partner because um, I wanted to write a poem based on like our conversation, like a found poem. And I asked them this question and like, they like found it like a really difficult question <laughs> but I was asking like how transness like how they thought transness showed up in our relationship because um, they also identify as as trans um, and like I think we have just like explored transness in, in very different ways or like present in very different ways not very but like um, yeah so I like love this question and it's gonna take me some time to think um, I mean, there's, like, awareness of possible harm. So, like, both of us, I think, you asked about, like, all relationships, not just romantic or, like, specifically romantic. Either or. Okay. Um, 
I think just like there's awareness of like both of us are kind of on alert to some extent of like um what's happening in terms of like our pronouns or like questions were being asked or something by other people um or like for a while like my this last partner's like just for it was like really helped by like a big like wearing a big sweatshirt and like so their friend would like wear this big sweatshirt around just in case they needed it and like um like those sort of like forms of solidarity that feels like very situational and then also um I think like just like uh, you know this is related to what I was talking about with the body like I just think that like queer theory is spiritual it's like so spiritual for me and like the body is so spiritual for me and like those come together and they explode and like it's beautiful but um like also is a like a site or like um yeah place of like pain or like strife um and I think the way that I have like been in relationship with other trans people like gender queer people specifically like there's such a um it's like it doesn't feel like there's fear of the body which is really interesting um but it just feels like all of the like the liquids and the sounds and the like the bodiness of the body is really like familiar um and maybe you know I could like list ways that like that might make sense in terms of like like getting really used to like caring for the body and like in like specific ways of like binding or of like um doing a shot or something like just that there's like interactions with the body that like cis people maybe like are not or like definitely are not happening um but it was like very powerful for me in my own relationship to my body, my relationship to sex, like who I am and like how I show up in communication and sex. Um, because there was such a like, also like where gender wasn't like that it got to be, a, it got to be like this world. Like if we talk about queer world building, like it got to be, um, a place of like not categorization um, and like alternate forms of pleasure and like um, yeah and I think it like informs in the way that it informs my politics it like informed their politics and like or does and um like in a lot of my relationships with other queer people like that's a big way that that queerness shows up um yeah I was I was messaging somebody recently because I saw a post on Instagram that was like from a sex educator or something and it was like they called it like QPR like queer platonic platonic relationships and I never it was like just talking about queer friendships that are like maybe not friendships and it was so interesting because I had never seen it just like put as a thing like it feels like such an unclear thing and nebulous and like 
this really named like a special kind of intimacy that can exist in queer friendships and it didn't really talk about like the ways that that can like be super messy and hurtful um and like lack boundaries but it was really cool to see that without you know the like messiness of it just as like wait this is a thing um and yeah yeah um so i guess from like navigating those things um what has brought you to new york um so i wanted to come to new york for a few reasons um one is that the organization that I'm working with for the film is based here. Um, but also, um, I really am, was like seeking like young anti-Zionist Jewish community, which I have found and it's been like really lovely and like Jewish queer community. Um, and I went to this, um, like queer anarchist Havdala event and there was like a wig skillshare so like um somebody who is like often wearing wigs brought their suitcase of wigs and like we all sat in a circle and we're like learning how to try them on and like tried on different wigs and it was I was like oh my god I felt like high like I was so joyful um in that activity um and it felt really awesome um, so that's like a little anecdote, but, um, I also came for like dance, dancing. So I dance, um, at school and wanted to like take classes at a, at a specific studio here and be able to see a lot of performances, um, uh, that are kind of like DIY. Um, and I think also like people like that I have people here and um it seems to be a place where like people fly through um and in in previous like times off I've like done a lot of traveling and a lot of being in new places and part of like it felt like a gift to myself to be like um I'm gonna like go somewhere that I already know people um could you name any other places that you've found community in so far um, not in New York. No, just in, in New York. In New York, okay. Um, yeah, I've gone to, like, some, like, queer Shabbats that have just, like, been hosted at people's houses, just, like, big group gatherings. Um, I, where else have I found queer community? Hmm. Well, I went to the Dyke March. That was wonderful. Did you like it? Um, did I like it? Yes. <laughs> What was your favorite moment from the night march? Mm. Whoa, there's so many. One of my friends learned, like, the real shape of the clitoris. And that was really... Because somebody had a clitoris balloon. I saw that. Yeah. And it was awesome. They were like, what's that? And I was like, let me tell you. Um, the, like, going in the water at the end... Like, there's, like, Jewish tradition, like, lots of Jewish tradition with water and, and, like, especially, like, water in, like, very significant moments or, like, moments of tra tradition, sorry, transition, um, yeah, like, renewal and, um, uh, yeah, 
so so that felt really special and I also like climbed up on the um the railings of the scaffolding with a friend of mine and um had a lot of like waving as people passed by like people shouting to us or waving to us and just to be like to be loved first like is so important like is so impactful like people showing up with like I love you hello like before we even know each other's name or like whatever but just because we're in this place together um and and I always love seeing like older queer people um because it actually like you don't see like I feel like we don't talk about this there are things that feel like oh it's like the queer canon like we we like thought about this when we were younger and like like in my generation of queer people and and maybe I'm just like not around like this is so just like one perspective but um yeah I I still feel really like I remember like going to the library and like reading reading like lesbian books like without checking them out and there were like three in the whole library and I like had read all of them like and just like kept going back and reading that same three just like thinking about representation and like um how much yearning there still is that is like unmet even though they're like incredible queer artists everywhere like producing beautiful things um and like yeah part of that is also getting to see like us especially like especially trans people like like old and like safe and um yeah like in community in relationship so have you had any intergenerational relationships with trans people that have been impactful for you Ah, um, I think there's like, there's moments, like there's like strangers, um, any moments that stand out? Sure. Um, yeah, let me think. Um, Well, this isn't sort of what I was referring to moments-wise, but currently for my film I'm working on, um, it's about birth workers and their stories, how, how that work transforms them, and um, I'm talking to this, this one pair of doulas, Charlie and Blue, who work together, and I met Charlie yesterday, <laughs> and I'm, I'm actually going to go talk to them and interview them after, um, after this um, this evening, uh, as they, like, make bone broth or something, they're, like, preparing for their clients, and, um, both of them are trans, um, and, like, I felt just, like, initially, like, when we, like, got on the call, because we did a Zoom call before the interview, like, it, or, like, I, how do I explain this, like, it, already felt so, like, and I said this to them specifically, was I was, like, I'm so, glad to have found you and I feel so like just like I want to hang out is what I feel and um so I met Charlie uh yesterday when I was dropping off equipment to them because they were gonna do some filming on their own um and I was they like asked me these questions about the art and like so we we like immediately got into talking about like the textures that like we were both thinking about for like this specific filming 
and we were talking about like books that they had and theory and um like they gave me a hug and it was like a really good hug um and and like I just was thinking about it the entire rest of the day and felt really like honored and like like there's something that's like like wonderful people sometimes like you know it's like they're not I mean it's like such a beautiful grateful thing like when you find a wonderful person and you're like you're wonderful like I'm so glad I found you but like when that person is trans it's like it's so much harder to find them not that it's just so much harder to find trans people sometimes um and like yeah older trans people so um this was this is I'm really excited about getting to spend more time with them and um also getting to like see what they're filming on their own for the film um and hoping to like stay in relationship with them um yeah we don't I don't I think there are some I have to like look more at the professors at Brown but there are like queer professors and I'm not sure if there are trans professors um and anyways um yeah, I also remember being, so I, like, spent some time in, like, a psychiatric institution, <laughs> and there was a trans person that was, like, with me there, and that was really powerful as well. They were, like, also, like, still, like, in their, like, probably, like, 20s or 30s, but, like, older than me, um, and, like, being in that space with them felt, like, really, um, like, painful and also, like, sacred, um, yeah, and that was in Providence. Uh, and and what got you interested in doing the kind of like uh, documentary stuff with birth workers? Um, so I had been building out a abortion doula program at Brown. Um, that's now pretty set up, and I was also trained as a doula through Mama Glow, um, which is the organization I'm I'm collaborating with, and so I like had relationality there. And I was interested in documentary because of its, like, ability to be an accessible, like, educational um, resource that is also art. And, like, that it it is really grounded in, like, um, oral histories and, like, ideally, like, r- relationality. And... Um, so I was interested in, in making a documentary and then like I had been talking to um, the organization about it and like if they would be interested in being like a part of it and then I like this fellowship came up and I was like okay this is the project that I'll do um, but it has so many threads that connect to like what I'm thinking about in terms of like um, the body and ritual and like life and death and um, like, also, like, just, like, bodily agency, reproductive justice, um, care work, um, there's all sorts of doulas, there's, like, crypt doulas, there's, um, there are, like, gender doulas, um, what do there's death doulas. Do? Ooh, yeah, um, okay, so a gender doula would be a better person to explain this, but, and I'm not, but, um, a gender doula is, like, somebody who, can like hold space for you and like provide resources and guidance for somebody that's like going through either a gender transition process or like 
questioning their gender, just like processing their gender. Um, and there's both like a medical side to it, like if somebody is like getting surgery or like some sort of operation um, that's gender affirming for them, that like the doula can be somebody who is also like taking care of them, um, like in recovery, because that's like intense. Um, and I think like as I'm describing this, it just like, it's like doulas are like peer support, like doulas are like what already exists like in community um and like also in the history of like granny midwives and doula work like it is feels i don't like it feels like a an offering that like a lot of people are doing um in like an unpaid way that like maybe is less sustainable but is like um i'm thinking of quote like this is like just like this is what we do to survive it's like we like it's just like community care but um that's a gender doula yeah and if you look up gender doula there should be some results cool yeah um and has there been anything else that you enjoyed doing around the city um i love skateboarding especially in brooklyn around like dusk it's like the most freeing thing ever. I feel it's like it does feel gender euphoria. <laughs> um, and I like wear my like big shorts. And um, yeah, I feel like something about like the movement, the speed. Um, like it's it's beautiful to like watch things go by fast. Um, other things I've enjoyed. Um, I always forget this the second word. You know the Leslie Museum? Loman. Loman, yeah. Um, I went and saw that like as soon as I got here because um, somebody had recommended it to me. And um, I saw it like the last time I was in New York and it was incredible. And so. Um, that was wonderful and I, I wanted to go back but they haven't put anything up and now they're closing for like a new install sad um, um, I've enjoyed the parks yeah can I ask about your drag performance yeah <laughs> um, I heard a little bit about it but <laughs> if you want to explain what was going on okay um, so I had my first drag performance. Um, actually, the person who, and I'm going to give you their name, the person who um, was really influential for me in, like, was my gender doula in some ways, like, in working through at school, just, like, being a person I was close to who was, like, so wise and supportive in, like, me, like, moving into using they, them pronouns and, like, figuring out gender and figuring like um they were just like hugely important in that way and um they are like big in drag like they have they have i remember there's this book i really want to read called it's drag king dreams um and i like saw it in their room or something once but um they like organized a kind of like performance night at brown where a lot of people got to do drag um, it was just, like, something that I was, like, really admiring and, like, kind of watching from afar. And um, and when I first found out that there was going to be this performance in New York, I was like, okay, this is great because, you know, 
uh, here's a place that like I'm I'm kind of just visiting like even if I'm living here like I want it feels meaningful to do drag in New York specifically like in a site specific way um, because of the history but it also was like a opportunity for me to like be somebody different like to try something new um, surrounded by new people and new things and when I first did it, I was so nervous I like committed and was like I'm gonna do it I'm gonna sign up and I asked for like a mentor um, and so I actually was like texting multiple people in the lead up to my performance to like answer my questions and like people were so kind and like it was awesome um, and but the more that I got into the planning of it the more I was like I totally know how to do this like I I'm on the pole team at Brown and so like I've been performing uh, like in a sort of like burlesque adjacent way for some time um, like performing gender performing sex and like putting together like choreography and also improving. So my entire drag piece was improv because it was very thrown together. Um, but I like, and I wanted to, my name that I used was John Binary. Um, Where did that come from? Oh, like, okay. So I went to this Shabbat at one of my um, friends' homes and she's a trans woman and it was just like all trans women and me. And I like asked them what, there like I was telling them that I was doing drag and like what name I would like I was thinking about different names and one of them I'm I think her name is Morgan and I really hope that's correct um she's awesome she does like opera um she suggested John Binary so it was like totally not me it came from somebody else and because I had said also like I don't think I'm like I don't want to be a king or queen or like like I I I'm interested in like the gender fuckery of drag and um, yeah, silliness and like clowning and um, so it, that's the name until I find something more Jewish because I want to find something more Jewish. Um, but I there's this poem that I love called "Put My House" by Eileen Miles, and it's just like absurd, and is also so how I think like it's like eat my bird like put your put your toe in my window like it's just like really really awesome and I used the recording of her like reading it wait what pronouns does Eileen Miles use I'm not sure okay I think it might be them so I put Eileen Miles reading Eileen Miles's poem in the background and um also like some random other like sound bites and then I like tied up this book that we're recording this interview on that's called We Want It All, um, an anthology of radical trans poetics. It's a hot pink book uh, and it's really thick. I've read all of it um, and talked about it in one of my classes. So I, I like tied it up with this pink rope that I have and like swung it around. Um, and my main thought after I finished the drag performance was like, I'm excited to like learn more and like do this more. And also I like wanted to be more mask, but like just didn't have the like materials or feel like I did. Um, and so that felt a little hard, honestly, because it felt like I was 
doing a little bit of like just what I do with pole and like that I wanted it to be a little bit more different so I think that's where I like see myself changing in the future yeah mm-hmm. yeah um and I guess I kind of just had some more general like closing questions okay. um do you have any I guess like daily safety concerns when you're in New York um yeah, it's a tricky question. Let me get out some water and then I'll come back. Is that okay? I'm having a hard time with this question because I think I'm there's like a tension between perhaps like what I feel and what I think I know or like um yeah I think like generally I feel safe um but even like saying that I'm also like ah do I like I don't know um yeah um and how or when do you feel most seen um, this is a lovely question. I'm at like a moment in gender and like transness of like a lot of change. Um, yeah, I feel like I'm, I have the feeling of like, I think a year from now, like, I will present very differently and, like, um, yeah, and so it, it definitely feels weird to be, like, answering this in this place right now because I feel like I'm just beginning to, like, figure out how to see myself and, um, and that feels important and knowing, like, when I feel seen by other people. Um, But what I know is that, like, being in community with other queer and trans people, um, I feel more seen. Um, And... I think I also feel seen when, when we can talk about it, like, when there's conversations happening about um how we're feeling about our like in relationship to our bodies or the gender that's like being you know that we're like offering or that's being put on us um in any given like environment um yeah like conversations about whether or not I feel seen make me feel seen <laughs> yeah um is there anything else that you want um, hmm. I'm gonna need to think. This friend that I went over to dinner, like at her house, we were talking about transness, and she was just like, I think leaning, like, I said something like, how do I lean into transness? Because I was like, 
yeah, I was, we were talking about something and I was like, how do I lean into transness? And she was just like, you lean into transness by leaning into joy. Um, and I'm going to give you her name also. So like, she will be able to speak on that better. But, um, yeah, I guess that also feels really important to me. Like, I'm just like constantly quoting my friends and like, we are like thinkers of like where we're at. And like, I think like language specifically, like, there's there can be so much power in like and just like fucking with language um and and doing it in a way that feels like like transness to you um uh because in some ways like yeah language is like the thing that also is like binding or um like sort of structurally limiting um so that's one thing i'll say um There's really awesome resources for like trans blessings in Judaism. Um, do you know about this? I do not. Oh my god, I'm gonna send you some. Um, if you want. Um, yeah, um, and I, at this Havdalah that I was at, I was able to like, to take part in some of them and there's like blessings for um, meeting a new trans friend. There's like blessings for um, gender dysphoria, there's blessings for, um, like, coming out, if that is, like, words that resonate with you, um, and we had this really beautiful, there was, like, this really beautiful practice of, um, like, we would do a blessing and then ask, like, is there anybody who is really, like, needing this blessing right now, or do you want to share, like, what you're thinking of in this blessing and so people were sharing about trans people they met or um yeah or like feelings they were having in relationship to their body and like how it might have been gendered or or yeah um and that was really um I think like when like specifically with Judaism tradition is really important to me and my connection connection to Judaism is a connection to my ancestry and I think when like when that got to exist at the same time as transness like that was deeply um spiritual yeah Yeah. Uh, well thank you for your time yeah this Mm -hmm. has been lovely yeah thanks